Well, turn to Matthew chapter 7, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 7. And while you're turning to Matthew 7, I want to kind of give you a, a little bit of an update, share some things with you that uh, are coming up here at the church so that you can be aware and kind of um, be right there with us as we, as we get going. Um, in a couple of weeks... We are going to be launching a brand new website that is kind of a mashup of church mobile app and church website all together in one, in one place. It's something uh, more of a digital hub for all things faith church. We've had, uh, we, we, we see countless, uh, I, I forgot to look at the statistics, but the last time I looked, we're having like, Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people clicking on our website and 80 plus percent of the people who are clicking onto our website to find out a little bit more about us are doing so from a mobile device. And uh, so we're recognizing that the other thing that we recognize is that um, while we have a church app. Uh, and we also utilize the YouVersion Bible app as a church. There seems to be a lot of app confusion. And uh, sometimes our mobile app isn't updating like it needs to. And you get a notification saying, hey, here's this, and it's not there. And there are some things that we've worked with our developers to try and get done and do. And so uh, we've come to the point where we, we're just saying, you know what, we're going to move forward in a, in a slightly different direction. And so here in a couple of weeks, we're going to launch a brand new central hub. And uh, we'll be telling you all about it. You're going to love it. It's going to be easy to use. You'll have everything that you need right at your fingertips, everything from the most recent sermons to uh, the next steps that you want to take to uh, sermon notes. We're right there on the website. You can, and right there from uh, the app-like icon on your device that you'll be able to go right to, you'll be able to access the sermon notes, take your own notes, email them to you, write as service is over. Uh, Later on Monday, you'll be able to go back to that same point, look at it, and also see the weekly sermon audio so that you can get ready for your connect group. You can listen to the sermon again. You'll see the connect group questions. They'll make those super easy for you to find. All of it will be right there at faithchurchks.org for you. That is going to become our central hub, and uh, it's going to be fully optimized for any device that you're going to use. It'll be quick, it'll be responsive, and uh, all of the stuff that you'll need will be right there in a scrollable, findable card for you to identify and recognize there. And so it's going to be a a great uh, resource for us moving forward as a church, and uh, we're we're excited. We'll give you some more information, and uh, it's it's going to launch here in a couple weeks, and so you'll hear more about it. And when we launch it, uh, we're also going to be launching the opportunity for you to pre-order some new fall church merch. Uh, we're going to have some new Faith Church hoodies. We're going to have some new Faith Church dad hats. We're going to have some other items that you'll be able to pre-order to, to just reserve. You won't have to pay necessarily up front. You'll just kind of pre-order and reserve so that we make sure we get the size that you want and the color that you want and uh, win those things. And you'll be able to do that all from your mobile phone on our church hub there at faithchurchks.org. And uh, those that need help, you'll be able to do it right at Next Step here on a Sunday. Sunday when you're here. And uh, so all of those things are going to be launching together. It's going to be great. We can't wait. And we hope it's going to help serve us in this next season as a church really, really well. Well, have you found Matthew chapter seven just yet? 
Let's go to Matthew 7. I want to go to verse 24 and read this parable and uh, think, teaching of Jesus. It says this in verse 24. Therefore, everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everybody say rock. The rain came down and the streams rose. The wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell with a great crash. It fell with a great crash. Jesus was giving us as listeners and now readers insight into how to build faith in your life. How to build faith in your life. We've been in a series called Faith Works. Uh, kind of dissecting and taking it stage by stage. How faith can be built. How it can be strengthened. How it can be increased in our lives. How essentially to build a solid life. And we've said from the onset that faith, really five things. Faith hears. Faith believes. Faith speaks. Today I want to talk to you about how faith acts. And next week, I'm gonna, we're going to talk and unpack the idea that faith rests. It rests in the promises of God while you're waiting for the promises of God. And the promise of God is also that we would find rest. And so we're going to talk about the last component of faith next week because it's a cycle. It's something that we can build, we can strengthen, we can move stage by stage, bit by bit. We want to build our faith. Because all of God's kingdom is accessed and realized through faith. Here, if you've been around Faith Church for any length of time, you've likely heard us say something to the effect of, here at Faith Church, we are not attempting to build a big church. That's not our goal. Our goal is to build big people. We want to help you reach your full redemptive potential through Jesus Christ. We want to help build you. And when we uh, build you, what does that look like? How do you build somebody? Well, I believe when we help each other and we come together and we build our faith, we give you the tools necessary to build your faith. You are building a big life. And Jesus comes into this verse and he says, listen, if you're going to have a solid life, if you're going to build your life, you've got to do it in a solid way. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot, jot this thought down. Here's something you can jot down. Building a solid life requires acting in faith. And that's what Jesus was getting us to do. He said, hey, listen. Here's a guy, he wants to build his house and he builds his house on a rock. He's building it on something solid. And we, we learn as we walk through it, Jesus said, the person who's building their house on the rock is the person who's putting and acting on the things that Jesus has taught. He's acting on it. And so we want to build a solid life so that no matter what storms come our way in life, our life stays solid. 
We don't have the ups and the downs and the roller coasters and the this circumstance now dictates how we feel. No, we, we're no longer moved by how we feel because we're firmly planted on the rock of faith in our lives. And if we're going to be firmly planted on the rock of faith in our lives, it requires us doing some construction and some building in our own lives to get there. And a huge component of it is acting in faith. It's acting in faith. I love our faith church logo. I don't love it just because I designed it. I love it because I like what it stands for. I'm not that petty. I I love our church logo. And the number one question I get asked about our church logo in our Catch the Vision class is is often this. The the most frequently asked question about our logo is, um, can you explain why, what are the mountains for? Because we live in Kansas. And it's flat. There are no mountains. Why are there mountains representing our church? Our church is in Kansas. You know that, right? Yes, I'm fully aware. You want to know why the mountains are a part of our logo? Because our church name is Faith Church. And when you, last week we talked about a parable where Jesus, or a time where Jesus said you could say to this mountain, be removed, and it will, if you have faith, And we want to develop a people that has that mountain moving kind of faith. But it also comes to play with this idea that Jesus says, if you're going to build your life on something, which you're building it on something, friends, your life is being built. Whether you're intending for it to or not, you are building your life on something. Some people build their life on presuppositions and assumptions. Some people build their lives based on the past hurts and their past experiences. Some people build their life based on how they feel that day, whether they're in the mood or not. And so they go to church or don't go to church based on how they wake up feeling that morning. Like we see people build their life on all sorts of things. And Jesus says, your best bet is to build your life on the rock. And while I couldn't think of a great big boulder in our name, I figured mountains were the next best thing to a big rock. I was thinking about it uh, as I was doing some preparation for next year. Next year, at some point, I'm going to do an entire message series just on the, the, the reality of mountains used throughout Scripture. The different stories in the Bible that take place on a mountain where, where Abram walked up and sacrificed, was going to sacrifice his son. He walked up a mountain. Elijah stood at the mountain in Mount Carmel and called down fire from heaven and had a big old... Uh, waylay of a party where he destroyed 50 of uh, Baal's prophets. And, and I think about the mountain uh, that, that Jesus stood on and sat when he taught his most famous message. It's called the Sermon on the... And then one day, Jesus would himself walk up a mountain to plant a cross and to die for all. Mankind. There is something amazing about mountains all through scripture. They, they represent things and great things happen atop a mountain. You get a fresh perspective when you're on a mountain. And I love the idea of mountains and the passages in scripture. And as a church, if we're going to build our life, I say we build our life on something solid. 
I say we build our faith on something that is unmovable and shakable, something that is solid as can be. And so mountains are a part of our logo and it's a part of who we are. And I just had this thought this week as I was pre- preparing. If you look at some of the, uh, the really key scriptures that kind of formulate who we are as a church, that are behind our seven mindsets and core values as a church, all of them connect back to a scripture that has to do with a mountain. Just about all of them have, have something. I was thinking about it. I was like, man, it's amazing. No, I'm not that smart. I didn't do that on purpose. We were just hearing what God was saying to us as a church, and we started to, to move, and we crafted the, the, the course that we felt God was leading us to. And it, as I was looking back this week, seeing some of those things, I was like, oh, my goodness. Lord, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. As a church, we want to help you build your life We want to build our lives on God's perspective. We want our lives to be shaped by God's presence. We want our lives to be propelled by God's power. And if we're going to do that, it's going to require us taking some steps, acting in faith. Your faith must act. Your faith must act. And Jesus was getting at it. And I love, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words, everyone who hears. Why? Because faith first starts by hearing. Faith hears, it believes, it speaks, and it acts. But he starts with something interesting. He says, therefore, and if you're going to understand everything that comes after the therefore, you have to look at everything that came before the therefore to understand everything that's going to come after the therefore. So if you're going to fully understand everything that comes after therefore, you've got to go before that and see what was said. And if you go before that and see what Jesus was talking about, you see starting in verse 21 of Matthew 7, he says, hey, listen, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone. In fact, he says, only the one who does the will of my father Only the one who is in relationship enough with God to hear his voice and to obey it are the ones that are going to find themselves eternally in a place of God. And he goes on to say, and many people will say to me, but Lord, uh, we, we, we went to church all the time. We prayed prayers. We gave in offerings. I mean, I was there a lot. I I believe, I mean, I said, Lord, Lord, I prayed demons left even. I prayed and saw mirror. I mean, God, I remember seeing lots of stuff. And he's going to say on that day, I I don't know who you are. You might be sitting there saying, Pastor, that sounds a little harsh. I I don't understand it. Here's what you have to understand. God's highest priority for your life is your obedience. Not delayed obedience, not partial obedience, Your obedience is his highest priority. Your obedience is what opens the door to your relationship. It's what helps enhance. When there is not obedience, there is tension in a relationship. Now, God is perfect. God is love. God is always merciful. He is patient. He is kind. He's all of those things. But obedience, acting in what we know, acting in the things that we've heard, acting in faith, is God's highest priority for your relationship. 
You might be sitting there, but pastor, I thought, I thought it was, all I had to do was like love God. You're right. All you have to do is love God. If, if you define love the way God defines love. But if you define love how you want to define love, then it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Well, I believe we're all on our own journey and we're all going to get there. And I think there's a lot of ways and love and kindness and peace and tolerance and all these things. I think that's the way to do it. Hey, listen, I think that if we're going to define love, we have to define it the way God says it. And Jesus said this. He said it again and again and again. Just read it from from John chapter seven all the way through the end of the gospel of John. Notice how many times Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The world will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And what do you mean by love, Lord? Like washing each other's feet and singing kumbaya and not having arguments and not holding grudges. Yeah, all those things are true because all of those things are walking in obedience to God. You have to back it up. You have to back it up. And then you find it again in 1 John chapter 5. He says, in fact, this is love. That we keep his commands. Not your interpretation of his commands, not your preferences of which commands to keep and which ones not to keep. It is to keep his commands. And the only reason we can love is because he loved us first. It's because when we understand how much God loves us, all of the pettiness of our lives begins to fall away. We only can love God because we have an immense understanding of his love for us, of his presence in us, of his desire to have a friendship and a connectivity and an intimacy with us. And it's from that place of being loved by God that I can walk in God's love towards others, which translates to keeping his commands, not our interpretations, not our preferences, not what we want, but what he says. Obedience is the crucial thing. Some of you are probably having your minds kind of just wondering at a conundrum, but I thought love and this and that. Let me help you with something. Love is the how, obedience is the what. We obey with an attitude of love. We obey God in peace, in kindness, in love, in joy. That's how we obey God. But just saying, I love God and doing nothing is not indeed how God defines it. Love is not the what. Love is the how. I walk in obedience to God in an attitude of love. I forgive my neighbor out of obedience to God with a heart of compassion and love. Is this making sense? So love is the how we go about obeying God. It pro- obedience produces more love in our lives. Obedience positions us to walk out what love is. And 1 Corinthians 13 is not just a cute section of scripture to read at a marriage ceremony. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13 is actually how we're supposed to walk in the power and the fruit and the promise and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. 
Actually, 1 Corinthians 13 is all about how you're supposed to shun the baku and not shun the baku and how you're supposed to prophesy and lay hands on people and all sorts of stuff. That's actually what 1 Corinthians 13 is about. But it works really well in weddings, and so we keep it. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not arrogant. It is not self-seeking. It keeps no record of wrong. Man, I hate that verse. And then he goes on to say, right at verse, uh, verse 8a, love never fails. Love is not the what, it's the how. We are to walk in obedience that shows God our love and our devotion to him. It reveals the love that we first received. And we do it with a heart and an attitude of love. Our faith acts... When we obey. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. If you're not taking notes, steal a pen, borrow your neighbor's arm and write that down. Make sure you take them to lunch afterwards since you gave them a tattoo, right? Our faith acts when we obey. Our faith acts when we obey. Isn't that what Jesus was saying? Therefore, since we already defined what love is, keeping God's commands, therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Everybody say practice. See, our faith acts when we obey. I love that he says that he keeps, uh, he who hears these words and puts them into practice. He didn't say, he who hears these words of mine and does them perfectly. He didn't say, he who hears these words of mine and tries really, really hard. He says, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. I love that he said practice and not try. Because a lot of us, we hear God, we want to obey God, we want to follow God. And we decide, I'm going to try and get closer to God. But when we try something, what we're really admitting is we don't really think it's going to work. So we're just going to get an A for effort, we hope, and hope that gets us enough to right standing with God. I'm just going to try this. No, no, no. Following God is not about trying. It's about daily just practicing it. Doctors have medical practices. Makes me a little nervous sometimes. So I just go to the one who's been practicing longer. (laughs) Practice. Listen, they say practice makes perfect. I don't believe that. I think practice makes a little more permanent. And as followers of Jesus, it's about every day saying, Lord, how can I practice my faith today? How can I try to be more obedient today? How can I practice that? Practice always will require a sacrifice. My daughter, who is uh, in her first year of middle school, has been playing the trumpet now for a year, and she's getting pretty good at it. And so she set a really high goal for herself this year. And she knows that the only way she's going to get to that goal is if she practices. Doesn't play it perfect, but practices. Isn't that right, princess? We got to practice it. Yeah, she's blushing and is like, Daddy, don't you ever do this to me again in a service. <laughs> practice. Listen, your heavenly father is not keeping score on your perfection. He's trying to encourage you to practice what you hear. Practice what you hear. Because practice helps our faith act and obey. 
Another time that another way sometimes that our faith acts in obedience is is in preparation. Have you ever had to walk in obedience to God? It's not because you you had to fully obey, but you just had to prepare yourself for some things. Right. As a church uh, this year, we've been uh, giving towards heart for the house to do a few different ministry initiatives. And while we're not at a place where we can fully do all that we want to do, you know what we are doing in the meantime? We're using our faith and we're putting it to action, making all the preparations that we possibly can. So that when the time is right and when all the funds come in and and all of the obstacles in Jesus' name are kicked into the sea and we can overcome some of these challenges that we're facing, when all of that happens, the minute we're prepared so that we're ready to say go. Why? Because faith acts. And our faith acts when we obey. And sometimes it's an act of preparation. But in every scenario, when you act in faith, when when you obey When your faith acts in obedience, you know what happens? You have peace. Not because your life becomes problem-free. Philosophy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, It's not because your life becomes problem-free that you have peace. It's not because the minute you start obeying, all of a sudden, all of your problems disappear. All of a sudden, you wake up and you're more in love with your spouse than you ever were before. Not because all of a sudden, your children are doing everything perfect and wonderful and you're just like, yay, parenting, right? Like, it's not because everything in life gets perfect and there's no more problems. No, you have peace because there's a person known as Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. And when you walk in obedience, peace shows up. Every time you obey, you'll sense peace. Which means that if there's an area in your life where there is not peace, it's possible that that is pointing to an area in your life you have yet to obey and submit to God. Or maybe, just maybe, you're not doing it His way. Peace comes when we obey. Parents, you know this to be true. When your children obey, there is peace in the home. Children, teenagers, you understand this. When there is not obedience, (laughs) there is not much peace in your life, right? It's just obedience produces peace. Obedience produces peace. But our faith acts when we obey. Here's the second thought that I want you to write down today. Our faith acts when we obey, even without fully understanding why. Being obedient doesn't mean you will fully understand why. It just means you need to obey. Obedience. It's an act of faith. But you might not always understand or fully understand why you need to obey in that way. You just know God said you need to obey. Let me me show it to you in Hebrews 11. Uh, Hebrews 11 is like this hall of faith. Right Where all these people are named because they did this and they had faith. They did this and they had faith. And this they did in faith. And they acted in faith this way. I want you to notice all of the times that they acted in faith. And I want you to think about how, man, they probably didn't understand why they had to do it. They just knew that they needed to do it. Because obedience isn't about understanding why. It's just about obeying. That's called trust. That's called faith is obeying even when you don't understand why. And I love Hebrews 11 because, man, it's, it's so rich. Now, I'm not going to read this word for word. 
I'm going to kind of summarize and highlight the people that it's talking about and, and give you a single word to help you understand the action that they took in faith, the obedience step that they took. The first thing it says in verse 4, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. In other words, Abel gave to God the way God said to do it. If you remember the story of Cain and Abel, Cain brought some of his grain and, and vegetables and offered it to the Lord as a sacrifice. The Bible says Abel brought the fatty portions, come on, of his firstborn livestock to the Lord. Are you saying that God is a meat eater and not a vegetarian? I don't know. But I don't think that's why God was pleased with Abel. God was pleased with Abel because Abel brought his first and his best and Cain just brought leftovers. If you haven't yet started tithing and walking in obedience in that area, can I challenge you to take that step? Tithing is bringing the first 10% that belongs to the Lord to the local storehouse. First 10% of all your increase, the Bible says. Now, when you, when you take that step of obedience, you might not understand why. Why do you get 10%? God says 10% belongs to him anyways. You might not understand why. You just need to know that when you walk in obedience, something shows up on the other side. Obedience. And then it says, by faith, Enoch was taken up from life so that he did not experience death. In other words, Enoch was such a friend of God. He devoted his life in a way to have such a relationship with God that God was like, yo, I love big E. E's coming up early. And he's like, E, we're walking, we're talking. He's like, whoop, beam me up, Scotty. And Enoch was no more. He took one step and was like, disappeared. Because God's like, this guy is a friend. He acted on what he knew God and he drew close to God in his relationship. It goes on to say, verse 7, by faith, Noah, when he warned that things not yet seen. Oh, I love this. How he was warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. God came to Noah and said, Noah, I need you to build me a big old boat because it's about to rain boatloads and you need a boat. And that, here's, the, here's the crazy thing, right? It had never rained Ever. Talk about guts. What was Noah's act of faith? Courage. It takes guts to follow Jesus. It takes guts to be obedient. Because culture will tell you this is acceptable. This is acceptable. This is the way. This is how. And God says, it ain't like that at all. Follow my ways and watch your life succeed. But if you do it your way, you're left to your own strengths and your own initiatives. Good luck, Chuck. And God's saying no. And Noah said, I'm going to take courage. Why? Because it takes a lot of guts to follow Jesus today. It's not always easy and it's not going to get any easier, friends. It takes courage. It takes courage like Noah. It goes on to talk about Abraham. Man, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place, he would later receive his as his inheritance. He obeyed and he went. He didn't know where he was going. He just obeyed. He just obeyed. It goes on to talk about how Abraham would later come and God would say, Abram, I want you to take your one son, the son that I promised you all. You would have a huge family, but you only have one son. I want you to take your one son, your firstborn son. Come on, don't make me tie it all back together. I can help you if you need to. Take your firstborn. 
firstborn son and walk up a mountain and sacrifice your firstborn son. And be, but trust me that that sacrifice will produce an inheritance of a huge family. I wonder if it reminds me of another guy who said, I'm going to take my one son. I'm going to walk him up a mountain. I'm going to stick him on some wood. I'm going to set him ablaze. I'm going to crucify him. And by giving up my one son, I'm going to inherit many sons and daughters. I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, obedience matters. And Abraham said, I'm going to make a sacrifice. Obedience will always require your sacrifice goes on. And by faith, verse 20, Isaac was blessed. He blessed Jacob and Esau in regards to their future. I love that the promises of God are generational. Some of you need to start walking in obedience to better set up the generation that's supposed to come after you. You need to model what it looks like to obey God. So your kids have something to follow. It's generational. And then Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and he gave them instructions. He had foresight. Faith acts because it has some foresight. I'm going to make some preparations ahead of time. By faith, verse 23 says, Moses, his parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict, which was to kill all the babies. His parents took practical preparation steps. Why? Because when you're stepping out in faith, it looks like practical preparation sometimes. Oh, God's going to give you a new job, but you're going to have to go back to school first. Practical preparations. Practical preparations. You got to start learning a new craft before you can excel in that new craft. Practical preparations. And then by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What did he do? He decided, I'm going to honor God and my heritage and live a God honoring life. Despite the kickbacks that I could be getting, I'm going to walk. And the fullness, and he honored God with his life. And then uh, they used discipline in by verse twenty-eight. By faith, they kept the Passover and the application of the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Crazy story. You got to go read it in the beginning of Exodus. Amazing story. But they kept this discipline. They kept a discipline. They kept a discipline. Sometimes obedience is simple things in the same direction for a long period of time. Obedience is doing the same thing in the same direction for a long period of time. And then he gets to the point where they talk in verse 30 about the walls of Jericho that fell because they did something uncommon. Sometimes when you take a step of faith, it is uncommon practice to the people around you. It's going to require uncommon faith, uncommon commitment, uncommon courtesy, uncommon honor. There's something about doing the ridiculous to see the miraculous. And sometimes people do ridiculous things because they're ridiculous and try to say that it's for, for a miracle. Stop it. If God didn't tell you to do it, you better know God said to do it. If you're going to start shouting at some walls and see them actually crumble down, you better know, better know. And by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she saw the spies and she took a risk. And, and it goes on the list and David and Samuel and Barak and, 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 and Daniel and all these other people. And it's like, I can't get to them all. I can't get to them all. I can't get to them all. But then it comes to verse 39 and it says, these were all commended for their faith. Yet, but none of them. None of them received what had been promised. They died 
walking in obedience, having faith, and never receiving the promise. I wonder if you would be willing enough to have enough faith in God, to have enough guts to say, no matter if I see the promise or not, I'm still going to obey. I'm still going to obey what God has to say. They all took actions of faith and none of them saw the ultimate results. I wonder how many of us have seen some progress towards the promise. All of them saw progress in their promise. They all saw bits and pieces of it, but they didn't see the full promise. I wonder how many of us have seen and heard God's promises and we hear it, we believe it, we start speaking it, we start acting, but then once we start to see a little bit of progress, we settle there. And we don't keep pursuing in obedience. We stop and we celebrate and we make a camp around it and we create denominations about this movement and this one thing happened and we start living in the glory years of yesteryear and no more are we really still pursuing all that God has. We're, gonna, we're good right here. I'm, I'm comfortable right here. My life is good. I'm having prayers answered. I've got some good friends. I don't need to widen my circle. I don't need to meet new people. I don't need to take any more risks. I don't need to step out in faith. And we just kind of settle in Instead of pursuing the promise of God because we saw a little bit of progress. We got baptized. We're a little bit, we're okay now. We don't need to keep going after more. We know a little bit of scripture. We got married. We're, we're doing this now. We got this and this and this is all okay. It's all life is good. It's not, no big deal. We're, nothing's out of order. We're just going to stop here because we've seen some progress. Friends, don't settle for progress. Pursue the full promise. Don't settle for a little progress. Keep pursuing the promise. We want to keep believing until the promise is fulfilled. Here's the third thing and the final thing that I want to share as we land this plane today. Greg, you can come on down. Our faith acts when we obey, not when we have a guaranteed outcome. Pastor, I would... I would start living a godly life if God could promise me that it would work out. I would take this step that I know to take if I could see what the next two and three steps were. That's not faith. You want to know what the the greatest enemy to faith is and perhaps the opposite of all faith? You don't want to know what it is? It's not fear. It's not doubt. Certainty. Because when you are certain, you're not activating your faith. So if I'm certain something is going to work, why do I need to use my faith? Why do I need to use my faith? Listen, you need to be willing to obey. Faith has to act even when we're not guaranteed the outcome. Even when we don't know how it's going to work out. Even when we don't know what it's going to work, we don't know what's going to come of the risk that we're about to take. We don't know. We don't know if we end this relationship that we know isn't God honoring and we end it and we go a different direction. I don't know what it's going to look like. And because we don't know and we're not guaranteed the circumstance, we're just not willing to take a step of faith, which is called obedience. 
And I don't know if I start giving the first 10% to the local church. I, I mean, I don't know what, what about the bills and what about the things and what about this? And I, I know the minute I start obeying God, all hell is going to break loose because the enemy, he's just going to attack me and it's not going to be good. And I don't want to be attacked. So I'm just going to stay right here. We don't take steps of faith. We don't act in faith. We don't act in obedience because we don't know what the outcome's going to be. Friends, I don't know what the details are going to be. I don't know what it's going to look like. But if God is asking you to take a step, if God is commanding you to obey in an area of your life and you haven't yet stepped into that, can I tell you, you can trust him. Trust him. Know that whatever it is, he can be trusted. Faith is not walking in a guarantee. Faith is walking in obedience even when it's not guaranteed. We have to walk by faith. Faith hears. Faith makes a choice to believe. Faith speaks in accordance to what we believe. And faith must act. Obedience is our response. And the outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is our response. And the outcome is God's responsibility. If we wait for guaranteed outcomes, we will never walk in the promises. James chapter two, verse 26 says, as the body without the spirit is dead, lifeless, of no value, no progress for the future. So also faith without deeds or faith without works, faith without action is dead also. I wonder if some of us have felt like our relationship with God is dead and dry. And all God is waiting for is us to start obeying. Husbands, if you're not loving the wife that God has given you the way Jesus said to love your wife, you're not walking in obedience to what he said. Friends, if you are not honoring God with your sexuality within the context of the covenant that God says is a man and a woman, then, then you're not walking in obedience to what God said. Friends, if we're walking in a way where we're not returning to God what he says is his, we're not walking in obedience to God's word. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love us. It doesn't mean that life doesn't make it sense. It doesn't mean any, what it means is God is waiting for you to realize that he loves you so much so that you have the courage to actually step out in obedience. Teenagers, if you're constantly cocking attitude to your parents, you're not doing it in the way that God said to do it. He said, children, obey and honor your parents in the Lord for this is right. And so if you're always given attitude and you're never following through and you're delaying in your obedience and you're huffing and puffing with the bad attitude in the process, can I just help you with something, kids? It's not gonna go well in your future. Why? Because obedience is what God is after. Obedience is only in response to the love that we've received. And if God, if we've received God's love, oh, what better place to be, friends. You know what I love? 
about God is that he's not telling us to obey everything all at once. Because if you're like me and you look at your life and you're like, I'm not, not really obeying fully there. And there's that attitude and ah, man, I'm holding grudges longer than I'm supposed to. And I just, I get attitudes and I feel pressure and I try and do more than what I'm actually responsible to do. And I'm trying to create outcomes when God is just asking me to walk in obedience and I'm doing all of these things. And I've got sin here and attitudes here and my heart is wrong here sometimes and I'm not perfect and I can get overwhelmed. But you know what is most important? in this whole thing is obeying what God is saying to you today. What is God pointing his finger at in your life today? That's where you need to start with your obedience. Where's the place where you don't have peace? Start there. Start with obedience there. He's he's a good enough God to come help you address the other things later. But start with where God's telling you to go today. Walk in obedience to what he is saying to you. That's why Jesus says, hey, you don't get to judge other people. Don't try and address the speck of wrong in their life when you've got a big old log of disobedience in your own eye. Because you don't know what God and the Holy Spirit have been working on that person. God's not at the point where he's addressing this issue yet. He's still trying to get him to deal with this thing first. You don't know and I don't know. We just have to be obedient to what he's telling us to do. Faith works when we act in obedience to God. Will you stand with me? I want to pray for you today. I wonder just by a quick show of hands, if there would be anybody bold enough to say, I'm willing to pray the prayer this week. How can my faith act in obedience to you, God? If you would be bold enough to pray that prayer this week, would you just, as a way of response, show your hand to the sky and say, Lord, I'm willing to pray that prayer. Would you just place a hand on your heart and just pray that right now? Say, God, show me how I can obey this week. Go ahead, pray. God, show me how I can obey this week. God, I pray that you would hear our prayers. You would not only see our hands, but you would hear our prayers. God, I pray that you would give us the courage, the strength, the audacity, the, 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 the guts to walk in obedience in whatever area it is that you're asking us to walk in, God. May we walk in that. God, may we recognize that love is really the truest expression or that obedience is the truest expression of love. And Lord, may we obey with a heart of love, not rude, anxious or frustrated but patient and kind and long suffering Jesus we just want to honor you we want to be close to you we want to hear well done not I never knew you so help us walk in obedience today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day not as we try to be obedient but as we just simply practice being obedient. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on. Let's